You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart bone exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments. The health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio and the longest running show on this channel. Why, why am I doing the SiriusXM opening? Just to keep people on their toes. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical doctor, gives me street cred. With the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, or if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. I can't mention contractually. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show. Without talking over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. All right. Now, um, don't forget, please don't forget to check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Simplyherbals.net. Herbals, that's right. For uh, the greatest, and I say this without hyperbole, um, uh, the greatest nasal spray ever made. Tis the season for it, too, by the way. We are selling it like it. We can't keep it on the and shelves. By the way, I've got something to give you. I've got some, um, you see that uh, Bobby Kelly um, uh, tag that we yeah, used sure. for backstage passes? Mm-hmm. They're very nicely laminated with a little lanyard, and it's kind of a cool, um, rare comedy um, um, comedy uh, memento. memento, yes, souvenir. <laughs> and I'll give you 20 of them. So the next 20 people that order something from uh, uh, your uh, Simply Herbal site can get one of those. Oh, cool. And um, That'd be great. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, people love They're not love. autographed or anything. I could scribble some an R and a K on there. Yeah, make it look like it. Make it look like it. <laughs> but anyway, but they are cool. He won't care. Okay, so remind me when you go out, I'll give you 20 of those. Sounds good. And, uh, yeah, don't forget that. Check out, uh, if you're interested in losing weight with me, uh, go to noom.drsteve.com. I'm down 25 pounds now, feel like a million bucks, except for my polymyalgia rheumatica, which has nothing to do with anything. We'll get to that later. Hey, yeah. I was going to say real quick, too, make sure that if you're a weird medicine friend, um, to, to put in the comments that that uh, that's who you are, so I can send you those out. Yeah. Because if not, yeah, it's yeah. hard for me to, to, to know. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, so thank yeah, you. Very good. And uh, also, uh, uh, one thing that we're doing, you know, we've been done Blue Apron on the show, and mm-hmm. we've done some other uh, food-related things. I got a new one for you. It's called Freshly. So I got lazier and lazier. So Blue Apron, so first, <laughs> okay, so you cook and you buy stuff, and you end up throwing a lot of stuff away. You only need two radishes. you got to buy a whole bunch. So mm-hmm. the benefit of Blue Apron, of course, was 
that um, <clears throat> everything they have everything perfectly measured. If you need one ounce of soy sauce, it gives you one ounce. Yep, which that's is, right. They, there's they don't send you a, a twelve ounce bottle. You throw the rest of the shit away. Exactly, right. wonderful. Exactly wonderful. right. Love Blue Apron. So uh, we love that. Uh, and then I went to Tara's Kitchen. Tara's Kitchen, they do all the prep for you. You don't even have to cut anything up. It's already pre-chopped and everything. You just dump it all together. Okay. And then, uh, so I did that for a while, and then I got even lazier, and now I'm doing one where they just make the food for you. It's called Freshly. It's all gluten-free, all prepared. We have really, really like um, You can do vegetarian. You can do pescatarian. No pork, whatever you want. And uh, it's a it's a really cool thing, and we have uh, a deal for forty dollars off. Freshly, they deliver fresh prepared meals that make uh, eating make eating right super easy, and it is really tasty. I've only had one thing that I didn't like that much, and it was just one thing I didn't like as much as the others. I still sure. liked it. Yeah. Uh, you can use my link to get six dinners for $39 for two weeks. That's $20 off each week. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Go to freshly.drsteve.com. It's F-R-E-S-H-L-Y dot drsteve.com. And uh, let me know if you try it, if you like it. I love it. My cool. wife and I love it. We do three meals a week. And that way, um, you know, if we got homework to do with the kids or something, we just throw one of those in and don't worry about it. Well, you know, Dr. Steve, you're like me with this Freshly thing is wonderful because we don't do a lot of glutens or any, you know. Yeah you know breads at all so that this this would be wonderful we'll try it yeah we'll yeah, try it yeah. it's good cool uh, uh and don't forget if you want archives of the show check out premium.drsteve.com that's premium.drsteve.com and uh for a buck 99 uh a month you can get uh access to all of our archives and if you use the offer code fluid you get even uh, a better deal than that for the first three months all right so um how are you dr scott I'm doing well. Ba- I'm battling the the Bradford pear tree bloom. Well, what's that? I am allergic as can be to those dang pear trees. Oh. When they when they bloom, they turn white. I start sneezing, and I stop sneezing when they turn green. So I've st- been battling it pretty hard. You're not taking any of your herbal bullshit. I am, and that's about the only thing keeping me. Oh, okay. Semi semi. <laughs> yeah, you sound fine. Oh man, yeah. Just a sneeze, 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 but. I'm all right. It's almost over. Yeah. Spring is here. Yeah, that's. I usually have trouble in the spring and the fall, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's always something in the air. I, um, uh, okay, so if you had a patient who had sudden onset of muscle pain in the shoulders and the hips, moving around, but muscle pain, not so much joint pain, but muscle pain, and uh, mildly elevated um, inflammatory markers, and really no other symptoms. What would you? What would your diagnosis be? Do you guys have a diagnosis for that? Sure. Well, in Chinese, we call it wandering bee syndrome, which is a wandering inflammation mm-hmm. syndrome of inflammation. Yeah, but, you know, but that it, sounds you, right yep. because we call it pretty much the same thing. It's yep. polymyalgia rheumatica, and that's what I have. Yeah, it's usually um, a disease of eighty-year-old women, and all of a sudden, you know, I had just said because of this, you know, Noom program I've been doing, I lost 25 pounds. I was just saying I feel better than I felt in 20 years. And I did. And then this hit. It's gotten, you know, nothing to do with anything. What's up? Your sed rate's up? Just 
very hardly. Okay. But in polymyalgia rheumatica, so let's talk about what that is. It's a syndrome generally found in people over 50. A lot of times you'll see it in little old ladies that are over 80 uh, where they have uh, proximal muscle pain. Mm -hmm. So I have uh, muscle pain in my hips. And in my and it doesn't it's not like I worked out it's it's a different kind of pain and it keeps me up at night hmm. and uh, I feel like shit so um, I got uh, put on some steroids and that made it better so that kind of confirms the diagnosis there's no blood test or biopsy or anything like that that you can do to prove that you have it so mm -hmm. it's clinical but polymyalgia rheumatica i hope nobody in the audience ever gets it it sucks mm -hmm. so what what's what's the underlying because i'm assuming it's autoimmune we guess um i already had one autoimmune uh disorder where i had um that uh, inflammation in my eye oh that's right god i remember that that's how many years yeah. ago was that that was a bunch of years ago yeah. But I had um, uh, what's called posterior uveitis, and that's an inflammation of the uh, back of the eye. And my vision went from 2020 to 2200 in one day. Mm. And um, I had to uh, get steroid injections in my in the back of my eye. I my, remember that. Yeah. And one time, actually, in the eyeball itself. So, if you want to see me getting needles stuck in my eye, go to uh, YouTube.com/slash. Lobster Johnson, or just uh, Google uh, uh, Doctor Steve gets an injection in his eye. I think mm. it is, but anyway, have you you know have you changed anything else diet wise? Yes, eating more. Because no, I, know, I know you don't not eat grains. Diet. It's not diet. Um, but don't you think that? But diets can certainly. Um, well, yeah, but the thing that I've changed recently was I got put on. Uh, Blood pressure medication. Okay. Because my blood pressure has been running up a little bit. You know, I've always had 120 over 70. So, I, you know, I hit 63. I'm falling apart. You're an old fucker now. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I did look it up, and it rarely it can cause this. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm off of it. My blood pressure is not high enough that being off of it for a couple of weeks is going to make any difference. So we've, got some, we've got some old Chinese herbs for blood pressure we can put you on. Well, there you go. For sure. Yeah, see if it... I mean, well, I'm probably going to come see you for this muscle pain. And mm -hmm. when I first started on the steroids, it kind of just went away. But like today, I've been sitting a lot. And that's the problem with polymyalgia rheumatica, too, is they uh, will. There's this thing called gel phenomena. And, you know, when you're up moving around and you're kind of fluid, mm -hmm. you feel OK. And then when you sit down mm -hmm. and like you're watching a movie or something, you'll stiffen up it's like stagnation. Well, it's yeah, that's uh, exactly what it is. It's um, the yeah. gel sets in. Right. Yeah, in Western medicine, they call it gelling, but it's, yeah, where you're, you know, you mix up a bunch of gelatin and let it sit, and then all of a sudden it kind of stiffens. That's really what's kind of going on with me. So. You know, it reminds me of the old, um, of course, we're all huge John Prine fans here. I don't know if everybody else is, but he talks about in one of his songs, if, if you've ever seen um, blood, you know, laying on the on the pavement, it looks like a shadow. You know, because it does, it becomes gelatinous and loses its color, becomes oh, yeah. gray. You yeah, know, and, yeah. And that's kind of what. It's a week in 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 Chinese medicine. We call it stagnation. So what you're getting is a stagnation of that blood and the uh, the energy through those joints, and it gets lodged up in those muscles, and you get pain. Yep. Yep. The, uh, it's a stagnation situation. I'm just looking to see how you can find it. So I I I don't know. I, I'll have to do a one of those bit bit links but it just uh, go to youtube.com oh, right. 
slash lobsta johnson it's l-o-b-s-t-a johnson all one word <laughs> and then you can see me getting a needle that's stuck in my eye we're going to put you on some some curcuma you know some uh, yeah. um, turmeric because it's been shown in side uh, head-to-head studies with steroids in cases like this to yeah. be equally as effective okay i'll try it yeah so i'll get you some of that too. i'll try it absolutely i'll try it we get you some. all right um we had a um, news story, the FDA-approved ketamine. We've been talking about this actually for some time on this show, actually for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, ketamine uh, is a street drug, Special K, it's called. It's a dissociative uh, drug that causes, you know, a real crazy euphoria. It was approved for years for anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, people started abusing it when they'd come out of anesthesia and they'd kind of be hallucinating and stuff like that. So I guess some people like that. But what they found was used off-label, and we'll use it, um, like if I've got someone with rectal cancer and they've got a a tumor um, or an ulceration or an inflammation of the rectum, we'll make ketamine suppositories. Mm -hmm. And very little of it gets absorbed, but it really um, is an an excellent analgesic for you know mu- topical mucous membranes and stuff like that. You can, make, you can compound it into a little yeah. topical. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. Topical cream. That's yeah. Cool. Well, we compound it into suppositories, and you oh, just yeah. shove it up your ass. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you yes, you can compound it into topical creams as well for people who have really bad symptoms. And um, so they found that um, this stuff was really effective for depression, but it was so off-label you couldn't really give it to anybody. Mm. And the problem with depression is the medications we have, particularly the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs like mm-hmm. Prozac, Paxil, and Zoloft, uh, take weeks to <clears throat> for their to for them to reach peak effect and. You know, we say two weeks. Really, it's more like eight or sixteen weeks. Oh wow! When Same for the S- you're yeah. depressed. That's a that's long, a long damn time. time. Yeah, Same for yeah. the SNRIs. Yep. And they have uh, withdrawal syndromes, and you know they've got um, other uh, adverse effects that come with any medication. You know, there's always going to be some adverse effects, but uh, sexual side effects are a big issue with those medications. Hmm. Erectile dysfunction, loss of libido, delayed ejaculation, that kind of stuff. Um, or uh, anorgasmia in the case of women. So uh, we've always been hoping for yet another type of drug that we can use um, in um, uh, depression to see if we can, uh, you know, get get people feeling better using a different mechanism. So anyway, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration today um, approved Spravato. It's esketamine nasal spray in conjunction with an oral antidepressant for the treatment of depression in adults who have tried other antidepressant medications but have not benefited from them, a.k.a. treatment-resistant depression. Now, mm-hmm. in the past, if you had true treatment-related uh, or treatment-resistant depression, about all we had left was um, shock therapy. Right, you know? ECT. And electroshock therapy or electroconvulsant therapy is uh, pretty damn effective, and it's not like what you saw in um, One of, Flew Over yeah, the Cuckoo's 40 nest. years ago, no. Yeah, it's not like that. It no. really never was. Uh, I've seen it, and I saw the person's toe twitch. Mm-hmm. You know, that was all, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe their eyes flutter. Mm-hmm. I have a couple folks going through ECT right now. Really? Yeah, and they're doing well. Yeah. Um, 
of, well, because of the risk of adverse outcomes resulting from sedation, because this stuff is a sedative, and dissociation. Remember, we talked about this being a dissociative drug, yes. so people feel like they're outside their body and stuff like that. Uh, the, uh, the potential for abuse and misuse of the drug, I can just imagine if we had a bunch of people out there with, with ketamine nasal sprays tooting up people at raves or whatever these kids call their parties these days. Um, It's only available through a restricted distribution system under a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy. So it's a so-called REMS drug, which means you have to um, take a course and you have to become certified. You have to um, uh, register yourself with um, the federal government, hmm. and you have to register the patients, too. Oh, wow. And um, the pharmacies have to be registered. So right now, another REMS drug, it would be the uh, transbuckle fentanyl. Mm-hmm. These are um, <clears throat> for people with uh, chronic cancer pain who have severe breakthrough pain. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they have these uh, fentanyl lozenges and fentanyl lo- lollipops. They don't like them called lollipops, but that's what that's they, what are. they are. It's, yeah. you know, sugar matrix on a stick. <laughs> and It looks um, a lot like a lollipop. Yes, and it tastes <laughs> like one, too. And um, uh, those are uh, issued under a REMS strategy as well. So when I prescribe those, I have to... Uh, fill out a bunch of paperwork, register the patient with the federal government. They need to check and make sure I am, and then they got to go to a pharmacy that's that is also registered, right. and all this. Stuff. And that's why you don't see people showing up in the emergency room with transbuckle fentanyl mm-hmm. uh, overdoses because they can't get their hands on it. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. Yeah, at one time. They talked about putting all of the long-acting uh, opioids on a REM strategy. Um, which would just add to the difficulty in getting people medication. But um, so uh, anyway, uh, so it's going to be on this REM system and the way it'll work. uh, It says patients with major depressive disorder who, despite trying at least two antidepressant treatments, given adequate doses for adequate duration, the current episode who have not responded to treatment are considered to have treatment resistant uh, depression. This bravado labeling contains box warning the cautions that patients are at risk for sedation or difficulty with attention, judgment, and thinking. And um, it looks like you're going to have to come to the office to get your your uh, dose. Right. And then you can't be the one driving Okay, when you go home. Uh, hmm. It says the patient self-administers bravado nasal spray under the supervision of a healthcare provider in a certified doctor's office or clinic. The spray cannot be taken home. The healthcare provider will instruct the patient on how to operate the nasal spray device, and uh, they'll check the patient to make sure that they're okay before they let them leave. Uh, the efficacy of Spravato was evaluated in three short-term clinical trials, one longer-term maintenance trial. In the three short-term studies, patients were randomized to receive Spravato or a placebo nasal spray, so this one is easy. You have these bottles like Dr. Scott's um, nasal spray, which you can get from uh, simplyherbals.net. Uh, but, you know, in one you put the, the, the drug in, and in the other one you just put saline in, mm-hmm. and the patient doesn't know, and the doctor doesn't know, and then you see, you know, you measure some endpoint. It said, uh, uh, let me see here, the primary efficacy measure was the change from baseline on a scale used to assess the severity of depressive depressive symptoms. So there are a bunch of those. I don't know which one they used. We use a thing called the PHQ-9, and it's just a um, uh, it's a survey that you 
that you give to the patients, and depending on their answers, you add it all up, and it gives you a level of how badly depressed they are. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. um, the lowest score you can get is a zero, but uh, one to three is considered minimally depressed, so almost everyone is considered minimally depressed. (laughs) It is 2019 after all, don't you know? Um, okay, Spravato nasal spray demonstrated statistically significant effect compared to placebo on the severity of depression, and some effect was seen within two days, and this is unprecedented. The two other short-term trials did not meet the pre-specified statistical tests. In the longer-term maintenance of effect trial, patients in the stable remission or with stable response who continued treatment with Spravato plus an antidepressant experienced statistically significant longer time to relapse. In other words, they were better for longer than patients on placebo. So it's not perfect, sure. but um, it's something else we can throw in our armamentarium, and it, it kicks in in two days. Right. That's huge. Wonderful, yep. So if I have a hospice patient who only has, you know, 30 days to live, they don't have eight weeks to wait for their depressant to kick in, antidepressant to kick in. Right. We can uh, bring them in and uh, give them the spravato, and hopefully in two days they start feeling better. Got to be wonderful. Yeah. That's great news. So anyway, so FDA approves ketamine. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, you want to answer some questions? Sure. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Very good. Let's see what we got here. Uh oh. Okay, new studio. Technical difficulties. That's okay. Around dangerous, or is it dangerous? Can it cause like heart problems? Heart. Okay. Uh, what? Hey, I was wondering, uh, is the drug buspirone dangerous, or is it dangerous? Can it cause like heart problems? Heart arrhythmias, things like that. What was the drug he was asking about? Buspirone. Oh, buspirone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I took that stuff. Um, Buspirone is an anti-anxiety medication sold under the trade name of Buspar, and they use it to uh, treat anxiety or the symptoms of anxiety. And um, they don't really know how it works. That's part of the issue with it, but it does seem to work. Um, it's pregnancy category B, so there's no animal studies that have shown harm to fetus, but there are no adequate studies in pregnant women, and it does have a lot of drug interactions. I mean, uh, I'm looking at the list. It is as long as your arm, right. so you got to be aware of um, what you're, um, what you're, um, you know, um, what you're on and what you're taking. Your pharmacist should be running a drug interaction, or your primary care provider, whoever is going to. Uh, to uh, use this stuff. So um, you don't want to take buspirone if you're also taking a drug with monoamine oxidase inhibitor activity. Of course, you all know what that is. Goodness gracious. Okay, so MAO inhibitors are old-school antidepressants. Mm. Most people are not on them anymore. Mm. Uh, But there are uh, some medications like Eldapril, uh, which uh, uh, people may be on, and they, they may not be aware that those have MAO inhibitor activity. So I'm not too worried about that one. It also adds to the effect of alcohol, et cetera. So let me look at the adverse effects, see if there's anything cardiac. Uh, can cause chest pain rarely. Now, here's, here's the thing. When you're doing one of these studies, if... Um, 
you have just a weird statistical anomaly, and the people in the treatment group get run over by buses mm-hmm. statistically more significantly than the one group on placebos. You got to report that. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm being a little silly, but it's almost like that. Right. So uh, on these rare ones, you got to be careful because it could have just been a statistical anomaly. But chest pain is um, a rare uh, complication of this medication. Uh, faster pounding heart, faster pounding heartbeat. I had that with mm-hmm. it. I would uh, take it first thing in the morning, and I was married to somebody that made me extremely anxious, and that's why I thought I needed it. I didn't want to take something addictive because the great thing about this stuff is it's an anxiety medication. It's not habit forming. It doesn't seem to be a significant trigger for um, abuse mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right around 10 in the morning, I'd get this, what I I attributed as a serotonin rush. I would just get this rush and it would go all tingling all the way through my body. And, um, uh, you know, the first time it happened, I I thought maybe I was hyperventilating or something. You know, when you hyperventilate, you kind of feel that way. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, the next day I had it and it was timed exactly the same. And then I skipped a couple doses of the abuse bar and it went away. And then I started back up again and then it happened again. So there's your proof. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, in coordination, mental de- uh, depression, sore throat. I mean, how is that? Stiffness of the arms or legs. I can relate to that. Uh, less common blurred vision, uh, sweating, clamminess, decreased concentration, muscle pain, spasm, cramps, or stiffness. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's my problem right now, but I'm not taking Buspar. So. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I don't see any major cardiac effects right. with that. So if that's if that's your question. But Buspar is an interesting drug. I think it's underutilized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good for anxiety and, uh, as I said, relatively inexpensive and non-habit-forming. Great. Now, what do you guys use for anxiety? Well, believe it or not, we, we have a, a couple of formulas, one of which is what I base my stress-less formula off of. It's called Chaihu Ja Lungubuli One, which is a— Get the uh, hell out of here. <laughs> it is. I swear it is. But it's, it's, it's for liver chi stagnation, and um, it, uh, it actually works extremely well. <laughs> I know, I know it's crazy, but it does. It works. It works. It works extremely well. For, really? For yeah. For for for. So mild, what is it really? Mild depression. Do you mild know the, anxiety. The the Western um the the Western mechanism of its action by any chance? No, never even bothered looking it up. It's okay. all Chinese. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We didn't. That was that was the whole thing. <clears throat> no, I know, uh, but yeah. you know some of this stuff. Now, some of there's a, there's a lot of carryover and works sure, the exact like same way. Turmeric, turmeric, yep, um, yes. has you know Cox two or Cox, Cox one. I, I think it's Cox two and Cox two inhibitor, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think I don't so. know. It it, it it basically the same mechanism as ibuprofen right. and stuff like that. Yep. So that makes sense. Red yeast rice yep. um, has this has actually the same medication as Mevacor, which is a statin drug. It actually has statin in it. So if you're taking red yeast rice. Thinking, oh, I'm not taking one of those statins. You're still mm-hmm. taking a statin. Mm-hmm. When you uh, eat on that that herb we like for for sinuses is xanthium. It's got a little bit of a mast, you know, inhibitor in it. Mast cell, mast cell stabilization. Yeah, so we should probably explain what mast cells are. They're uh, inflammatory cells. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at them under a microscope, they've got all these little globules mm-hmm. in them, and uh, when they're um, in the presence 
of certain antigens, they will degranulate, which means they basically give their life for the for the greater good and they and they'll explode and send out these globules and these little globules have histamine in them and that will uh, the histamine increases the fluid production in the nose to wash out this antigen whatever stuff like that and that's why we take antihistamines because that effect is pretty blown out of proportion when you're trying to be in polite company and not have your nose draining draining and dripping from your head yes so, um, yeah, so the xanthium has yep. some mast cell st- uh, membrane stabilization, so yep. they don't degranulate as easy. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, peppermint oil, you know, works yeah. on inflammation, so yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, got a question uh, for the neurological brain <laughs> activity when we sleep. Is it... Uh, I guess when you go into REM sleep and you have dreams, your you know your body's fixing itself in sleep. But let's say you don't have dreams. Now, having said that, between dreams and not having dreams, is, do you think that your body's working itself for fixing it more? Because sometimes, a lot of times, for me, I have a lot of dreams during the night. So it's kind of like your brain's supposed to be shut. Well, if I shut down, but if your body shut down to help it and it's fixing itself because it's coming from the brain or whatever necessary, whatever. But if you're having a lot of dreams, is it like going, fuck the body, I got dreams to do? <laughs> My question to that is, does it, is there something there? Because I always, yeah, I don't, here's the thing nobody really knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> and, we don't know how the brain works, so when the brain doesn't work right, it's hard for us to fix it. We don't know what consciousness is. Mm-hmm. After all this time, we still have no clue how this sort of recursive uh, loops of of neur- neurons can create a thing that goes, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. It's the, um, and that, that's kind of the cool thing about the brain, is it does so many interesting things not all not only all day long with sleeping and you know keeping us balanced and and um the how many tasks do we do we manage every single day but but at nighttime which is one of the things that i talk to people about all the time is is helping people with anxiety and specifically anxiety disorders is is how to use that sleeping brain when you're having anxiety okay being able to differentiate between a between something that needs your attention versus something that doesn't need your attention for instance at nighttime you're laying there at night you hear the air conditioner kick on your body your brain doesn't move maybe you hear your husband or wife snoring brain doesn't kick on but if you hear um a fire truck going down the street your brain or a knock on your door or a knock on your door and your brain says wait a minute that's important let's let's right let's, that is interesting bypass. there's something that's let's vigilant. bypass it let's bypass this thing that says hey this isn't important put this down here in the in the okay level and to me that's the most incredible thing and, and i don't think anybody has any idea exactly what that mechanism is yeah there has to be some subroutine that is monitoring what's going on um, outside because you can be woken up. You know, yep. if your kid comes in your room and saying your name, you'll wake right up. Right. And if your wife saying your name, it doesn't bother you That's at all. That's right. No, completely <laughs> ignore that. Um, yeah, so we can, there are some things we do know. We can describe what we see, but we don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. So, or why we sleep. We think that there's some re- repairing going on. Mm-hmm. 
Healing, sure, healing of the body. I guess. Yeah, almost has to be. Uh, almost has to be, but yeah. maybe not. Because, God, you know, you feel like fucking shit when you don't sleep. Right. And that's a truth. But is that a function that you need to um, uh, go through this process, and if you don't, you feel like shit? Mm-hmm. Or is it truly that um, if you didn't sleep, you would still feel that tired, and somehow you'd have to... I, you know, I just yeah. don't know. It's yeah. a... Yeah. You know, is it a are, are our brains only good for consciousness, mm-hmm. um, you know, a certain number of hours during the day and then they've got to because things build up in it and have to be cleared out. And the only way they can do that is for you to be unconscious during that. I don't right. know. Right. Nobody really knows. I don't care what they say. They think they know, but they I don't w- know. I wonder and you, you may know the qu- answer to this question, but I wonder what the. Just at nighttime, let's just say your body kind of goes into a, 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 a slowdown, pause, cruise control, whatever yeah. you want to call it, where you use, uses a whole lot less energy. I'm just wondering how much energy the brain uses versus the heart or the liver or you know other organs. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if anybody's ever. I don't know, but I, I do know that, that the body will basically shunt blood to the brain at the ex- exclusion of all other organs. Yeah. Well, you know, especially you know you think about when it when it's endangered. Well, especially somebody falls into uh, you know falls through ice into a frozen, you know, lake. Yeah, it, the the body can somehow shunt the 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 blood away from the extremities. That is an interesting one. That's called the okay. diving reflex. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have a kid, particularly with a very small uh, body surface area, mm-hmm. and they can chill their their whole body really quickly, and they fall into a lake. There have been kids that have been successfully resuscitated 45 minutes later. So it's almost like a uh, um, a suspended animation situation. And you don't give up doing the code blue until they're completely back to their normal body temperature. Wow. So, and you're not going to be in too big of a hurry trying to get them back into their normal body temperature. Gradual rewarming is better. Pretty interesting. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of shit we still don't know. Yeah. And neurology and immunology are the two big final frontiers of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about what we do know about sleep. So you got these four stages, right? Stage one is the lightest stage. Uh, you have slow eye movements and you're drowsy. You can re- be easily disrupted. Uh, this is where, you know, if uh, if the cat knocks something off the table... Right, you know, you'll wake right up. Right, um, your muscle tone relaxes, but you're not paralyzed. Now, this is where you can get those things called hypnic jerks, mm-hmm. where some. What I'll, I'll be doing is I'll be falling into sleep, and then boom, uh, it'll be like someone. Uh, I'm have it's like, almost like I'm having a dream that somebody kicked a soccer ball and they ca- kicked it right at my face, and I have to duck, mm-hmm. and you jerk, jerk. Episodes because you're they're hypnogogic because you're going into sleep. Okay, now the episodes where you wake up, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, and you're paralyzed. Have you ever had one of those? No, I've had sleep paralysis. No, no, I've had the hypnogogic thing, but mine's always a baseball coming at my head. Yeah, well, you were a baseball yeah, player standing in the battle. I was a soccer player, yeah. so ball comes, you it's like, Ugh. yeah, so bizarre. Um, uh, but if you ever have sleep, sleep paralysis, paralysis right. that's where you wake up and you're paralyzed and then you're hallucinating. You're good because the brain is still dreaming, mm-hmm. but you're conscious. Mm-hmm. And it is a form of lucid dreaming. And if you can control it, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in literature, people who have had um, sleep paralysis have claimed that they were abducted by aliens, and they'll almost always say they wake up and they can't move their body. Hmm. And that's I've had it, so I know what it is. And the first time it happened to me, there was a giant eye uh, next to floating next to my bed, <laughs> right? And then when it oh blinked, I woke up. Oh my god! So if I didn't know better, I'd say, well, maybe that was an alien, and then they abducted me, and I just don't remember it. But in fact, it was a hypnopompic episode. Hypnopompic meaning that you're emerging from sleep. So hypnogogic, you're you're descending into sleep. Oh, yeah. Hypnopompic, you're Coming descending out. out of sleep. Gotcha. So anyway, <clears throat> so stage one's when you have those hypnogogic episodes, and then stage two is the first actual stage of non-REM sleep. And uh, it's harder to wake you up, and uh, you still have slow-moving eye movements, and your brain waves uh, start to slow. And uh, it's um, very difficult to uh, wake you up during this time, and your body temperature decreases, and your heart rate slows. And then uh, stage three is deep sleep, or deep non-REM sleep. They call this the most restorative stage of sleep. It consists of... uh, uh, certain um, variety of uh, brain waves on a um, uh, EEG, and uh, awakenings are rare, and it's difficult to wake somebody in stage three sleep. They're the ones where you're going, "Hey, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up!" And this is when sleep terrors, um, sleep talking, and uh, or sleepwalking occurs. So, do you know the medical term for sleepwalking? Mm. Somnambulism. Somnambulism. And then do you know what sleep talking is? Some rambling. That's <laughs> close. Somniloquy. Oh, there we go. Somniloquy. Like a soliloquy. Sure, soniloquy. Of course, yeah. And then night terrors. And night terrors where people sit up and they just scream. Oh, yeah. And then you usually can get them to uh, calm the fuck down, and then they go back to sleep, and they don't have any remembering of it. Right. So... So anyway, so that's stage three. And then there's good old REM sleep, also known as rapid eye movement sleep. It's uh, This is the stage when you're dreaming and you have these rapid eye movements moving from side to side. Side, your brain waves are more active. You can be awakened or aroused easily. And if you are awakened during REM sleep, you most often will remember the dream that you're having. So people say, well, I don't ever dream. No, they do dream. They just don't remember it. Right. But if I uh, put a, um, a polysomnogram on you, that's the device that you know monitors you while you're sleeping, monitors your breathing, your eye movements and all that stuff. And I woke you, I, you know, I set off a siren. Every time you went into REM sleep, you would remember those dreams. Right. So, but anyway, um, and uh, if you wake them up during a REM period, they're going to probably feel groggy because you're supposed to go um, uh, light sleep and then uh, deep sleep. Let me see. It's LDR. So um, uh, that's how that's a mnemonic. I remember it. Light sleep and then uh, deep sleep and then REM. That's the common uh, uh, the common cycle, and then you'll go back to light, and then deep, and then REM, light, deep REM. Gotcha. Now I've got a Fitbit, and it 
it monitors my sleeping. I never do that. Mm-hmm. I'll do a, a couple of bouts of deep sleep early in the night that I'm in light all night and then a couple of uh, arousals and a couple of REM episodes and then I wake up. Mm-hmm. So I have had sleep issues my whole life. Kind of like that. I, I feel like I sleep with one eye open. Really? I'm always yeah. in light sleep. but You sort of nod. Oh, well, yeah. Did uh, You tried the... the um, THC gummies, right? Yep. How did that work for your I, sleep? I, I will tell you this. Thanks to you, those those gummy bear melatonins were mm-hmm. were profoundly helpful. Yep. And uh, yeah, and then of course when we were in the state of Colorado, we did. I tried the um, the gummy bear THC, and a little teeny piece of that with my five milligram melatonin <laughs> gummy bear melatonin. Man, I slept like I, I think normal people sleep. It was wonderful. Really? Yeah, she's. So you would combine the THC with the melatonin. Yep. Now, we're not recommending no, this No, 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 no. This is strictly for me. <coughs> and, I, and, and you, know, you can get Anecdotal. Those, that's right. And, and, and it's in, um, uh, but you know, those gummy bears, they have like 10 milligrams, and I broke them into quarters. So there's really a small dose of the, t- the it was, THC gummy yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, that indi- indica, in the couch version. Yeah, right. indica, right. Indica, right. Yeah, that's the mnemonic I use as yeah. well. Did you see? Did you see they're putting a THC in a beer now? <laughs> no, but check this out. You know, and believe it or not, the the guy that, that that's inventing this is the same gentleman that invented uh, Blue Moon. Okay, beer, which is one of my favorite beers. But um, he took uh, his beer, took the alcohol out, and is infusing with a little bit of THC in it. Really? Yep. So they're yep. taking the alcohol out. Yep. Yep. Yep pretty cool oh. can't be consumed other than at, at your home so you have to buy it at a at a um dispensary and take it home you can't you can't drink it at a bar yeah yeah, yeah. so i thought that was kind of interesting anything other God, than I wish they would legalize it, it no, around no, here no. so we could just try all these different things Bunch of it's not fair no it's not but you know i'm a huge fan of anything other than smoking <laughs> smoking yep. to me is not a great idea I just don't like polluting the lungs at all. No, yeah, me neither with burned things. No, <clears throat> no. But no. Uh, the lungs are a great way to get drugs into your system. Right. Uh, there are um, there there are techniques. There's a thing called an Arex, which I don't think ever hit the market, but it was a drug delivery system. Mm-hmm that uh, they were going to use for things like insulin. Oh, wow. But also for morphine, so that you, if oh, you didn't yeah, have an sure. IV. And uh, the problem with inhaled morphine is if you put it in, let's say, you, you've seen one of those machines where people have, like, what they have emphysema, and it's a nebulizer. nebulizer. <clears throat> and if you put morphine in that, you get about 10% uh, bioavailability. In other words, if you put 10 milligrams in the pot, you'll get one milligram into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a 10% bioavailability mm-hmm. because most of the medicine you're blowing out into the atmosphere. Goes everywhere, sure. So this Airx thing, it was it was neat. It had like little plastic uh, domes, just like caps. Remember caps? Sure. Like you had a cap gun when you were a kid, had that strip and the little domes of gunpowder in it and it would advance. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the same thing except it's plastic and inside the domes instead of gunpowder would be the medication. Okay. So every time you would take a breath, it would advance the tape and puncture one of those domes and inject that, uh, <clears throat> the ga- or, you know, the mist mm-hmm into the stream that you were inhaling. So you would only get medication in that stream when you were actually actively inhaling. Hmm. And uh, when you do that, the surface area of the inside of the lung is so huge 
that you get rapid absorption of drugs uh, faster even than maybe even IV. Right. Which you think, well, IV is the fastest. Say, well, okay, yes, but you inject it. It's got to go up the arm, and it's got to work its way into the circulation, got to hit the heart, and then it's still not mixed up. You know, it's not gone everywhere yet. But it has to break down and be dissolved kind of throughout the system. Yeah, yeah, or dispersed. dispersed, It's already dissolved, but yeah. It's got to be dispersed through the system, whereas with the inhaled stuff, you're hitting so many capillaries at once that it gets into the system a lot faster. So you figure, you know, nothing could be faster than an IV, but this actually is. Mm -hmm. And so they can use it for a lot of different kind of drugs. And uh, that's why people enjoy smoking pot, because it gets into their system so quickly. But I don't know anyone that smokes it anymore. I I mean, I'm sure there are some people that do, but everything I'm seeing now is all geared toward vaping and edibles. Yes. So... There's this wonderful vaping technology with this uh, EVOD pen and stuff. You know, it's uh, it's quite uh, quite advanced and quite wonderful. So, yeah. uh, we are advocates of legalization yes. of sensible sensible leg- legalization for marijuana, and uh, I certainly for medical uses. Why would I deprive a hospice patient of a drug that obviously would do them some good and right. statistically? shown to do good in excellent clinical trials mm-hmm. and yet it's political football we can't have it mm-hmm. so there's a bunch of benefits out there especially some of the other side effects that we don't see in that controlled you know versus some of the uh prescription narcotics yeah they can be a lot a lot more dangerous yep but anyway anyway all right Hey there, I was calling, and uh, this is T. James from Columbus, Indiana, and was calling to see if you could tell me about a little information on an enlarged prostate and uh, fertility. I have a question on uh, going to the doctor not that long ago and them telling me that I was infertile, uh, and the doctor had told me it ended up being a uh, internal specialist for the urinary tract, I guess, that said that my prostate was enlarged and actually was maybe controlling that. Sometimes I go to the restroom and it looks like I have jizz in the bottom of the toilet. And I was just curious if that's Uh, something that you've heard of before and if you could Mm -hmm. possibly, potentially, if at all, help with that. Yeah. He has prostatic congestion, Mm -hmm. and um, when he's moving his bowels, he's got the... Okay, so the the back part of the prostate is the front part of the rectum. Right against it. And so when we want to examine someone's prostate, go back and watch the Tippy Tom video. You know, we're sticking a finger in the rectum and pushing down toward the front of the body, and you can feel this sort of rubbery walnut uh, organ in there, and that's the prostate. When you have a real large one that's congested and has an overabundance of fluid in it, if you pass a hard stool past that, um, you will uh, extrude. You, it's not an, an orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's just purely fluid dynamics. You're you're putting pressure, and fluid will follow the path of least resistance. You're extruding fluid out of that prostate through the end of your penis mm-hmm. into uh, into the toilet, mm-hmm. and you may not even notice it because you're not ejaculating. Right. It's just you're pure, not enjoying it. As yeah, much. you're not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we we will um, exploit that if we think someone's got a prostate infection. You know, you stick your finger in their right. in their rear end, press down on the um, uh, prostate, and if you have a decent technique of massaging it, you can extrude fluid or express fluid out the end of the penis. And um, it's always best if you warn the patient ahead of time that you're going to do this because it's not cool when you do it and they're not ready for it. Right. And you also want to capture it. So you have them hold a glass slide under the, their urethral meatus, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Cockhole, cockhole. And, um, and to catch some of it so that you can look at it under the microscope. Right. And uh, if you see white blood cells, confirms the diagnosis of prostate infection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so he's got an enlarged prostate. Um, uh, he may, uh, I don't, if, he, if I had him on the phone, I'd ask him how often does he actually ejaculate? Mm-hmm. Because ejaculating will decrease uh, prostatic congestion. It will not decrease prostatic enlargement. Right. And when I say prostatic enlargement, I'm talking about the actual gland itself is enlarged. But if it's just congested, it will appear enlarged until you bust a nut. That's right. Get some it, get some that meanness out of there. Yeah, get the poison out and uh, it was time. Well, who doesn't? But I would tell him, you know, number one, Make sure that if he is taking anything, sometimes, and I have seen this a lot, people taking, especially men taking antihistamines can uh-huh. lead, lead to prostate inflammation. So you could have a little sluggish prostate from that. Or if he has an enlarged prostate, it, taking an antihistamine will make it difficult for him to urinate. But this will not make him infertile, though. We need to get should back not, to the original not. question. None of this should cause infertility. Mm-hmm. So now you're... Well, unless uh, he's having trouble adju- ejaculating. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to give you one of these. Give yourself a bill. Um, if he his prostate is so enlarged that he can no longer ejaculate, then that's uh, it's time to go get that prostate mm-hmm. fixed. But right that's on. a possibility. Yeah. That's the only link I could think of. Yeah, yeah. Because if he, you know, but if it, if it's swollen, he and he does have a little latent infection in there. That could certainly yep. in, influence all of you know. And and you know, it's just simple plumbing. Everything gets backed up that's in right. there. And if you can get it cleaned out, typically. And the other thing is, Dr. Steve, making sure that if we, of course, we don't have him on the phone, but if we could talk to him about his, his um, bowel movements, make sure everything's nice and soft and yeah, those big, giant American well, those turds. giant <laughs> American turds, exactly, right? <laughs> Got to soften them We up. do have the biggest turds in we the do, world. We do, yes. So. Some, of them, some of them bigger than others. All right. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. Oh, so um, go get that checked. Right on. That's our that's our advice on that one. Hey, Dr. Steve, 27-year-old male here. Hey, I've got eosinophilic esophagitis, oh. and I also have strictures in my esophagus that I get that have to be stretched out and fixed. And also, I'm essentially allergic to all fresh fruits and vegetables and go into anaphylactic shock. Oh, jeez. Is there anything I can do to fix any of this, cure this, or help treat it? Thanks. Yes. Wow. Okay, so eosinophilic esophagitis, it's, um, it's a chronic, actually allergic inflammatory disease of the esophagus. And uh, there's this type of white blood cell called the eosinophil. So um, 
We have uh, basophils and eosinophils, and eosinophils have red granules in them. The basophils have blue granules, and it just has to. And they're not really red and blue in real life. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the dye the we stain, use, right. right? The stain that we use, and um, so this stuff, uh, these cells can be real bastards, mm-hmm. and they mediate sort of um, uh, allergic reactions. And um, so these eosinophils will accumulate in the esophagus, and even though you're using acid-blocking treatments, you'll still have problems with uh, your esophagus, and you can get esophageal stricture, which is what he has. So an esophageal stricture is um, a narrowing of the esophagus, and you can get food that'll get stuck. Sometimes it'll get so narrow, you'll even get, you know, liquid will get stuck and have to, you know, it'll, it'll pile up and then have to drain down. It's a real pain. And, um, you know, the treatment um, is um, often steroids and stuff. Um, the, you know, I, I would see a GI specialist who, who specializes in inflammatory uh, GI issues, or you could even see a rheumatologist for this. But anyway, I, I wish we could talk to him, too, and just ask him about his diet. Grains, I would take him off all grains, yeah. all, just in case, you know glutens, milk products, etc. If he's allergic to that many things, um, maybe just changing his diet. Not saying yeah, I'm just looking. Cure it. Mayo Clinic yeah. here recommends uh, dairy and wheat products. So yeah, they're they're agreeing oh, well, with okay. you on that cool. one. Yeah, yeah. got to take them off of that first. Yeah, warm foods, warm drinks. You know, the old just, Chinese way. Keep keep things moving through the stomach and staying away from foods that cause the inflammation. Right. And uh, an immunologist can test you for those and right. see if there are ones that maybe you didn't catch yeah. that are causing this. If it start there, and then you can get tested later. You know. Yeah. yeah. At least try something. But they'll have them swallow <clears throat> a solution of uh, thickened liquid that has uh, steroids in it. And just to coat the esophagus and right. try to calm these damn cells down. So, right. Well, thanks always go to Dr. Scott. Can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teth, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campo, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Rad Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of the show never has gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. And go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.